you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. So if you ever, um, one of the things that I really like about this church that I didn't, I didn't know to appreciate until I started ministry is that my office, if, if you've ever been in my office, um, you know this, is kind of, it's kind of tucked away um, a little bit. You got to go through a few doors so people don't just sort of walk past it all the time. And I find that to be incredibly helpful uh, because if you've ever been in my office during the week, um, you can get a really good idea of how my week is going by how much of my desk you can see. <laughs> uh, so the more stuff on my desk, the, the more difficult the week is, is going sometimes. And when I have, uh, um, I know people are coming to meet with me, and if you've ever met with me at church, you've probably noticed that sometimes maybe we'll meet in my office, but a lot of times we'll meet somewhere else in the church. Um, if we're meeting somewhere else in the church, you can guess that I'm having a, a, rough, a rough week, and, and if you do come into my office, you can know that before you came, <laughs> I spent a few minutes uh, uh, cleaning my desk up, because it's important to me that when you come into my office, it, it appears that I'm organized. Um, and fortunately, um, we live in a world where we have social rules that prevent this from happening. Fortunately, none of you guys ever open my desk drawers <laughs> or my file cabinets, because if you did, you'd see all the stuff that was on my desk has found a new place uh, shoved wherever. <laughs> um, and the same is true um, sometimes at, at our house. You know, we have certain rooms that don't get used all the time. And so um, when you have something that you don't know what to do with and you know people are coming over tonight, we've got a guest room that when guests come over, we have to clear all the junk out of <laughs> every time. Um, uh, because it's, it's important to me, um, and maybe you feel this way too, it's important to me that I can at least look, uh, maybe to myself and maybe to others, like uh, I'm an adult that can keep a room clean, right? Um, and it's funny, you know, when I first got here, I remember somebody showed up at the parsonage unannounced, and I just kind of like opened the door and stepped outside and greeted them on the porch, because I was like, don't come inside, please. <laughs> that's the secret. That's the secret. Um, so that's, that's my confession. But I, I noticed that in myself, um, that... I'll, I'll do just about anything to appear and to convince myself that, that I'm good, that I, uh, I'm an adult, that I have things together, that I've got things figured out. And I think as human beings, we have a fundamental need, um, and, and I was trying to think of how to say this, but we have a fundamental need to feel that, that we're okay, uh, that we're good, that we kind of have this figured out. And maybe, uh, you know, for all of us, it looks a little different. For some of us, we don't really care if we have a, a cluttered desk, and that doesn't have value to us. You know, maybe for us, it matters that people see us and we, we are dressed correctly. Um, and maybe it's um, in some style. We want to make sure that when people see us, we, we just look good. Or, or maybe we want people and ourselves even to, to see that we're successful in our, in our jobs, right? And we work really hard and we do all kinds of things to tell ourselves and to communicate to others that, that we're, we got it figured out, that we're a success. Or maybe for you it's that, that perfect family and you just, you want people to think, yeah, that family, they are tight. They love each other. They don't have uh, those conflicts. And, and we'll do just about anything to kind of send that image to other people. Um, 
And also, honestly, I think to tell ourselves that, like we really are good. Uh, I really am organized. I really am an adult. I really am successful. I, I really am good. And, and I think we, we fight this so much. I think we wrestle with this so much because on a, on a moral or a human level, we know, uh, we know what goes on inside of ourselves sometimes. Uh, we know that that stuff that was on the desk is now shoved into a drawer, and it, and it kind of nags at us. And, and whether it's um, if we feel like we're a successful person or uh, if we feel like we have a, a good family or not, there's always this, this thing in the back of our heads. We know all the warts. We know what we're covering up. We know what we shoved into the closet and, and under the rug. And even though we fight really hard to forget about all that stuff, we, we have to do more and more to kind of uh, convince ourselves even that, that we're, we're good. And, and we compensate for our own lack, you know. And, and if we're honest, you know, we know that sometimes we're, we're pretty selfish. And fortunately, we do a really great job covering that up most of the time. But, but we know um, the dark parts of ourselves. So, so we work really hard to cover uh, those things up. And sometimes we, we do it by denial, right? We just pretend that the things about ourselves that we don't like, the things that we know are wrong. Um, we pretend that they're not a big deal or that they don't exist or that they don't matter. And when we, we pretend so hard for other people that we even start to convince ourselves. Um, uh, some of us uh, know about the, the dark parts in our lives, the, our shortcomings in our lives, and we, we try and cover them up by just uh, following the rules really well. Um, we know uh, that we're lacking, and so we make sure, you know, maybe it's a, a moral, religious thing. So we know uh, we don't have the best relationship with God, so, so we make sure to, to always be at church. We make sure that uh, people know and that we know that we read our Bible or, or whatever. Maybe it's by following the rules. Maybe it's by helping others. Um, you know, we know deep down that that one time uh, we thought that way about somebody or we acted in that selfish way and it hurt somebody. And so we tried to do 10 nice things for somebody else to make up for it, right? We, uh, sometimes we fight the impulse. Sometimes we uh, try and impress others. Sometimes we try and distract ourselves from that um, in all kinds of ways. Maybe by, well, I'm... I got my stuff, right? But, oh man, I have this friend. You should see my friend, right? They really have a messy desk. Um, sometimes we blame others for our own shortcomings. Sometimes we hide the issue. Sometimes we despair. In our culture, when we have shortcomings, um, one of the ways that we deal with it um, in popular culture is to kind of excuse it. Um, so if something in our life isn't quite right, if it looks wrong, if we're behaving in a way that we know is wrong, um, because the pain of guilt is great, um, we convince ourselves that whatever that thing is isn't that big of a deal. It's not wrong. Uh, you know, it's okay. Everybody goes 10 over the speed limit. Um, whatever it is, we convince ourselves that it's fine, right? That it's not a sin. And as long as our actions and our selfishness doesn't seem to hurt anyone, our, our culture tells us that they're probably okay, that we should not feel so bad about it. You know, that's you know, maybe one side. And for many of you as people in a church, um, um, sometimes religious people, we, we do the opposite. We just work really, really, really hard to hide it. Um, we know we have that stuff in our lives. We know we do wrong things sometimes. We know sometimes we harm others with our actions. And, and we just really fight to hide it. And we show up at church and we pretend that we're doing awesome all the time. We pretend uh, that we've got this whole following Jesus thing figured out. Um, 
And, and sometimes, you know, at our worst, maybe we just try and distract people by pointing to somebody else who has it less figured out than us. But, but both uh, ways of dealing with this problem amount to saying to ourselves, and we're constantly saying to ourselves, like, I'm basically a good person, right? We're just looking for ways to say, I'm basically uh, a good person. And this is not a modern problem. Uh, in fact, uh, it's older, it's as old as human beings. Uh, human beings have been finding ways to convince themselves that they really are basically good since the beginning of time. If you look uh, throughout human history, empires have been forged and laws have been written to justify uh, the ways that people think and behave, to convince ourselves that, that I'm basically a good person. Uh, and the people in, in Jesus' day were, were no different from us. They were just like us in this. And, and at Bethel, over um, what's turned into two months, over the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about hearing God. And sometimes when we hear from God, it's uh, a little hard to hear, and it's, it's been challenging. Um, and Jesus has been preaching to this, this group of people that, that gather, this group of people that recognize some need in themselves or want to know what Jesus is about, and he's, he's telling them a bunch of things that they don't uh, want to hear. <laughs> and, and he concludes his sermon, he concludes his talk with, with kind of three uh, pictures. He paints three pictures for them in Luke. In Luke uh, 6, 37, he, he talks about um, blind helpers, uh, rotten fruit, and, and empty or cracked foundations. So, so he starts out, uh, our text says, Jesus told them a parable. Uh, and it's great, it's just a sentence. He says, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? Uh, he continues, the, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is trained will be like their teacher. Um, but what Jesus is saying, he says, imagine a, a blind person trying to lead a, a blind person. Um, these three images, uh, they, they reflect ways that we try and uh, make ourselves feel good. And, and in Jesus' day, in the ancient world, there were a group of people that uh, were religious leaders and teachers. Um, and, and Jesus is, is attacking them a little bit in this. He's saying... Um, you have a group of people that, that claim to have it all figured out, that are pretending uh, that they know where to go, and they're trying to lead you, but uh, they're blind. And if, and if you fall prey to this, this way of, of pretending to be good, it, it reminds me of something that I think many of us do all the time. We try and feel good by correcting the problems that we see in, in others. You know, he continues, he says, why do you, if you're blind, look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in yours? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, uh, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brothers. Sometimes we can't see, and instead of dealing with the vision problem, we try and distract, right, by pointing out somebody else's issue. Blind guides try to feel good by uh, working uh, for others, by uh, pointing out the problems and correcting the problems in others. And Jesus says if you live like this, and if you follow uh, these sorts of people... Uh, all of you guys are going to end up in a pit. <laughs> no matter how hard you're trying to lead, if you can't see, you can't see. Uh, he continues with, with another image. He says, um, you know, sometimes we think uh, that maybe if we do a little bit more good or do a little bit more work, um, we can undo the, the problems that we create. Jesus puts it this way. He says, no good tree 
uh, bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Jesus is saying, if you're trying to find a honey crisp apple, you're never going to get it off of a red delicious tree. And no matter how hard a red delicious tree tries to produce a good apple, it's impossible uh, because honey crisps are just so much better. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not wrong, right? Yeah, right? Speak the truth. And sometimes in our lives, we recognize our issues. We recognize that we don't have things quite figured out. And we try and make up for that by making more, by working harder, by trying a little bit more. And, and in Jesus' day, people thought, I, you know, maybe they could admit they didn't have it quite figured out. And so they tried to deal with it by just putting a whole bunch more effort into it. But Jesus says the problem is that if you're a, a bad tree, no matter how hard you try, you can only produce more of what you can already make. You need something to change, something much bigger than the effort of the tree. That red delicious apple is always going to produce red delicious apples. Uh, and finally, he uses one more example. Uh, he talks about foundations. He says, um, you know, why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? He says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. And he gives a positive example. He says, if you do what I say, uh, you're like a man who builds a house, who digs down deep and lays a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus is saying sometimes we think if we can just create, a, build a good enough life uh, here on earth, if we can create a, a better appearance on the outside, if we can get a great family and a good job and our dreams to come true and, and keep the house clean and, and go to church and be seen helping others and, and be known and respected as a good person, if we build a really nice house, then uh, we can convince ourselves that we're good, that we've arrived, that we've made it. But, but Jesus says no. He says no matter how nice a house you build, no matter what you do to create this perfect life, uh, eventually a storm comes and blows it away if it's not founded in the right place. He says, even the best house with a cracked foundation is a storm away from collapse. And as I read these um, over the last two weeks, uh, I found myself getting a little frustrated because it seems like uh, in Jesus' day, they have all these pretty good ways of trying to do the right thing, right? If you're a Pharisee, you aren't leading people because you're a jerk. <laughs> you're leading people because you care about them. If you're blind and you're trying to help somebody else, that's a good impulse, right? Um, you know, the, the red delicious apple tree it's trying its best to make red, delicious apples. It's not its fault. It's not a Honeycrisp. And I found myself getting frustrated because Jesus is poking holes in every strategy uh, these people have for, for being good people. And, and that's what we want. We just want to be good enough. And he's saying everything you try is, is going to fail. Every effort's not going to make the cut. You're, you're never going to be good enough. And every door leads to failure. 
And, and I got frustrated, right? Because that blind guide is trying his best. That rotten tree is trying its best to produce fruit. It's not its fault. It's rotten, right? The builder of the unfounded house, you know, um, they're trying their best to build a really nice house, to build something impressive. They're working incredibly hard. This isn't the pig building a house out of straw. You know, they're building a house that matters. And, and if all those are bad plans, if none of those work, then, then what are we supposed to do, Jesus? Because here he is. He's taking all their exits away. He's popping all these balloons, all these ideas that they have about what it means to make themselves a good person. He's saying, no, no, no. It sounds like bad news. He says, you're failing the test. And I, and I have to imagine that his hearers, who went to the trouble of sitting out in a field and listening to everything that he had to say, felt the same way. You know, they had done it all. They had tried to follow the right person and read the right books and, and create the right family and worked extra hard. Um, I've done it all. What am I supposed to do? And, and of course, this is what Jesus offers them. And what he offers us, he says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. He says, put my words into practice. And, and what Jesus means by this, he says, if you want uh, to be good, build on, on me. Stop trying to admit or stop trying to make up for your lack and admit your shortcoming and, and build on me. Because what Jesus is trying to say that as, as long as... Yes. As long as we're busy, sorry, man, it's just not on here. That's okay. Uh, Jesus says, as long as we're busy compensating for our guilt, as long as we're busy trying really hard to convince ourselves and others that we're good, as long as we're busy trying to shove more stuff under the rug, um, we can never be freed from that stuff. As long as we're blind, uh, no amount of leading others is ever going to make us able to see. As long as we're a red, delicious tree, no amount of work will ever make honey crisps. As long as we're an unfounded house, the first storm is going to blow us away. As long as we're busy trying to make up for the guilt that we have in our hearts, for the things that we do that we know are wrong, as long as we're trying to pretend that those things don't exist and shove them under the rug or put them in a desk drawer, we can never be freed from them. They're always there. It's always calling to us from under the rug and in the desk drawer because eventually you need a pen and you pull that open and you see that stuff that you tried to hide. As long as we're trying to cover for our lack, we can never receive what Jesus offers. So instead, he says, build on me. Uh, Paul puts it this way in, in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full Oh, sorry, 12 through 17. It says, I, I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Paul is somebody who persecuted Jesus most of his life. And he says, even though I was once a blasphemer, one who spoke against God, and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. Even though I had all kinds of stuff to shove under the rug, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. 
But for that reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, uh, that stuff that I was shoving under my rug, that stuff in my desk drawer, all the worst stuff that I've ever done that I've built my life trying to avoid and turn my gaze from, that stuff uh, is forgiven by Christ. Uh, Christ took that stuff away. Um, Our temptation is always, and and if you've received Jesus, if you've admitted your sin, if you've confessed and said, God, save me, Jesus, save me because of your sacrifice, even if you've done that, uh, our temptation is always to deny uh, our, our problems. It's always to deny our issues. Even if we've confessed our sin a dozen times, our temptation is always to hide it back under the rug and in the desk and to try and do more for God or, or to do more for others, to try harder and pretend we've got it figured out. That temptation is so strong. It just runs to the very core of who we are. We just want to appear good. But Jesus says, if you want to be good, you've got to give me that stuff and I'll make you new. No matter, Because no matter how hard we try to be a better father or a better mother or a better teacher or a better family member or friend or Christian or boss or human through more effort, through more denial, through more hard work, um, no matter how hard we try, uh, we can never deal with what we are. Jesus says no matter how hard the blind guide tries, no matter how hard the rotten tree tries, no matter how hard the builder builds on sand, you only get more trouble. The harder you try and dig yourself out of the pit, the deeper you get. Instead, he offers us this. Admit your lack. Build your life on me and be changed. Because as long as you're busy compensating for your guilt, you can never be freed from it. Jesus came and lived and died so we can give up the game. So we can admit our lack and receive grace and offer it. So we can build, that's the foundation he calls us to build on top of. And when we do that, we start to see ourselves in the same way that God sees us. As uh, beloved, as beautiful people that he is at work in. We are loved freely despite all the stuff we want to hide. We can be set free and inherit eternal life if we're only willing to admit we can't figure this out on our own and receive the grace that we could never earn. Um, all of our impulses push us, push us back uh, towards uh, building unfounded houses and, and working extra hard. All of our info, sinful impulses just make us want to hide and conceal and ignore these things. It's so strong that, that you know, today, if, if, as we prayed today, you could write down a list of all the things that you're hiding, all the sins that you have, and, and all the things that you want to give over to Jesus. You could write those down and tear them up or give them to me or whatever, and by Wednesday, you'd be hiding something. I know I would. You'd be burying something under the rug. That impulse is so strong um, that I've been asking myself, um, what can we do to remember uh, God's grace in our lives, to remember that it's not about trying harder or building a better front or by uh, trying to point out other people's problems, that it's about uh, planting our foundation in in Christ. And and the thing I came across is uh, something Christians have done for for 400 years. It's called a a prayer of examine. Uh, It's a way of praying to remind yourself of where your foundation is. 
Um, and it's something that, that I've tried before. I, I was introduced to it in, in seminary, but, but Christians have been praying this for hundreds of years, and it's intended not as a, um, uh, a magic thing to just make you um, the right person or whatever, and if you do this, then you'll be fine, but it's intended as a tool to help ourselves recognize our sin and our shortcomings, help us admit the things that we do wrong so that we can be set free from them. Um, and so my challenge to you, or my encouragement to you, is to, to use this tool uh, this week at, at the end of the day. And, and it works best at the end of the day because you can remember all the things that happened in that day, uh, good or bad. Um, and it starts like this. It has, it has five parts. Uh, we start by giving thanks. Uh, and maybe if, if you like to write your prayers down, that, that helps a lot. You just write number one, give thanks. You write down some of the things that God did uh, today. Man, God, it was so awesome. I saw my friend today and it really cheered me up. Or, or God, it was so awesome. When I woke up, I opened my eyes and I put my feet on the ground and I stood up and thank you for the breath of life that you've given me. Whatever it is, give thanks for the ways that you've seen God that day. Uh, we got to start with who God is. Second, um, it just says ask for the Spirit. Um, ask God to help you uh, by His Holy Spirit uh, evaluate your day honestly. Say, God, if there is sin that I need to be convicted of, uh, may your spirit reveal that to me. If there are things that didn't go right or that I'm worried about that I need your comfort for, may your spirit give me that comfort. Say, God, uh, help me uh, to listen well to you because we're really good. Human beings are really good at self-deception. I'm really good at shoving stuff under the rug. Say, ask God to, to help you see it. And, and third, um, this one's really important. This is the core. This is... Um, uh, a really important step, admit fault. Um, uh, my wife was recently in a minor car accident, and whenever you get in a car accident, the, the first thing that goes through your head is don't admit fault, right? Um, but, but this time, ad admit fault. Look back at your day and ask God to point out to you the ways that you've fallen short. Uh, the person that you ignored, the thing that you'd much rather keep pushed down under that rug, that thought that you had that maybe wasn't so nice, that rumor that you spread, wh whatever it is. And ask God to point these things out. And it's not uh, to make you feel guilty and sad and what a terrible, awful person you are. Um, it's not to make you feel bad. Uh, it's to refuse to pretend that it didn't happen. It's to refuse to pretend that it doesn't exist, to refuse to shove it under the rug, and so that then we can remember the grace of Jesus as our foundation. Uh, four, ask for forgiveness and healing. If you've sinned, ask God to forgive you and set you straight again. If you've made a mistake, if I've made a mistake, I, I ask for God to heal the harm that that mistake has caused, that person that I hurt. And I also ask for wisdom. God, how do I be better in the future? And finally, number five, pray about tomorrow. As you conclude, thank God for what he's done and say, uh, God, help me to see how tomorrow will go. Help me to be faithful in the next day. Uh, ask for his help with things that you're worried about or things that might be difficult. Because remember that uh, the good things about us come from the soil that we're planted in. And it's not about trying harder tomorrow and, oh, here are my mistakes and I'm just going to be a better person tomorrow. It's about uh, admitting our mistakes, accepting Christ's grace, and asking him to grow something new in our lives. Because uh, when, we, when we give up the game, oh, there it is. As long as you're busy compensating for your guilt, you can never be freed from it. <laughs> because when we, when we give up this game, when we stop shoving things under the rugs, we start to see ourselves as God sees us. Loved 
imperfect, broken, but redeemed. We'll notice just how much effort we put into convincing ourselves and others that we're fine. And I think we'll start to see other people in the same way that God sees them. Even the people that drive us crazy as imperfect, broken, sinful people with problems who God uh, sent his son to die for. When we hear God's voice, um, he's often inviting us to stop pretending we already know the way, to stop covering our shortcomings, to stop looking for worse sinners and instead acknowledge our lack and turn to the grace of the one who gives sight to the blind, the one who actually can turn a red, delicious tree like you and me into one that makes Honeycrisp apples. Yeah. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.